Money Pit is brought to you by Glisten, Gelmar, Simply Safe, Alexeter, and Stanley Tools. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone, give us a call right now because we are here to help you with your home improvement project at 888 Money Pit, 888 666 3974. Hey, if it's too hot to work out today, we get it. So why not take today to plan your next fall fix up project? We can give you the advice and the guidance that you need to get it done. No sweat at 888 Money Pit. Coming up on today's program, it's not just about saving the planet anymore. Conserving water can save you money, too. We'll have tips on easy changes that you can make to trim money off your water bill. And you plug in your vacuum or bust out the bleach when you're feeling overwhelmed? Well, if housework seems to help you decompress, you might be a stress cleaner. And that is just one of several cleaning personality types that are identified in a new survey. You can find out what yours is and how you can overcome it or perhaps work with it in just a bit. And you can't see it, you can't smell it, you can't taste it, but radon gas causes cancer and it's found in one out of every 15 American homes. We're going to have tips on what you need to do to make sure yours isn't one of them. And speaking of healthy homes, one lucky caller this hour is going to win a free five-minute mold test. Now, it uses EPA-recommended dust samples instead of air samples for more accurate results, and you get them in five minutes. Call us right now at 1-888-MONEYBIT, 888-666-3974 for the answer to your home improvement question and your chance to win. Marion, Illinois is on the line with a basement moisture situation. What's going on over there? My neighbor's house sits a little higher um, than mine does, and they've also re-landscaped since they moved in about three or four years ago. They have an oversized downspout that's pointed directly towards my house, and when it rains, um, the water pools from their downspout up against my house. And then also after it, after it rains, you know, for days later, the downstairs basement brick wall can be uh, moist. I, about, about a year ago, I had a landscaping company come in because I thought I could address this on my own. And they uh, put a French drain in and trenched it out, you know, through my backyard. And it still doesn't seem to be uh, addressing the issue. Well, have you spoken with your neighbors about potentially extending those downspouts in a different direction? I mean, typically you can just run them out farther so they don't end up on your property. I haven't spoken with them yet. I had another issue shortly after they moved in uh, where they were, again, they're higher in ground than I, and they had their sump pump line pumping out and it ran downhill flooding my backyard. So. Um, when I tried to address that with them, although I did eventually um, get changed, it wasn't an easy nor very uh, negotiable process. So I was trying to not get into another situation where... Yeah, you're trying to be as nice as you can, but and they're not being very cooperative. That's not very neighborly of them, is it? No. Well, I mean, there's always legal recourse, but what you might want to do is... is speak with them and say, look, I'm having this issue with water in my basement. Um, you can blame us. Say, hey, I, I called my friends at the Money Pit Radio Show who diagnosed this problem every single minute of the day sometimes, and we get so many questions about this. And, you know, just explain to them that water that collects around foundations ends up as basement leaks, and you're trying to avoid 
uh, costly repairs. And if they would simply um, extend their downspouts or allow you to extend the downspout um, so it doesn't drain water right at the foundation corner, that would be very helpful. Now, I do think that your landscaper was on the track, on the right track. You said that he put in a French drain. I'm going to guess what you're talking about is a curtain drain. Because curtain drains that are properly installed, and it may very well be that this was not properly installed, but a curtain drain that's properly installed can intercept that water as it runs down and run run it away from your house. And if I was putting a curtain drain in, I would trench it down about a foot below the surface. I would put in uh, two or three inches of gray gravel on top of which I would put a perforated PVC pipe, not the flexible black drain pipe that so many landscapers use, but a regular PVC pipe with holes in it. It's a perforated pipe. That pipe has to have a pitch to it, so it has to drop, um, you know, maybe an eighth of an inch per foot or so, just so it has some pitch. And the holes are on top. What happens, it fills up, the water flows into the holes, and then it runs down the pipe, around the house, and out. So on top of the stone, you put the pipe, you put more stone to cover it completely. Then you put filter cloth, which is like a like a black, sort of burlapy kind of landscape cloth. Then you could put dirt and sod on top of that. But if it's done correctly, it will successfully intercept the water, the runoff, and run it around the house and and away from that foundation. You got to start with the simple stuff here, Mary, which is talking to your neighbors and seeing if they'll uh, extend those down past about so that they don't dump into your house and flood your basement. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. All right, now we've got Daniel in Washington on the line. Daniel, welcome to the Money Pit. What can we do for you today? Well, you can help me figure out why my wife takes a cold shower and I take a hot shower. <laughs> I bet she's not too happy about that either. She's very unhappy, and and she seems to think it's my fault. (laughs) (laughs) So who goes in the shower first? She she goes in first? She does. And and what, it takes a long time for the water to get hot? Well, she turns it on. Uh, Our our bathroom shower is about, I guess if I added up all the pipes, maybe 30 feet from the water heater. So it's not very far. We've lived in the house for 12 years. So we can usually we can usually count on hot water coming about four seconds after we turn on the water, and it's not happening this time. She'll leave it on for a minute or so. It's still cold, and she says, "What the heck? I, I need to get get going." So she takes a shower, and then she screams and yells at me. <laughs> and then it's all your fault. Twenty minutes later, after she clears out of there, I get in there, and the shower is nice and and warm. Well, that's an odd problem because certainly it's not the distance. That's very very short. Now, as far as you know, is your water heater working normally? So, if you go to your kitchen sink, does it deliver hot water pretty quickly? When we turn it to the left, it's hot, and when we turn it to the right, it's cold. All right, so the kitchen sink is fine, and the kids' bathroom is fine. Okay, so it's not the water heater, it's not the pipes. What's left here? The shower valve. You've got a bad shower valve. You came to the conclusion pretty quickly that it's not the hot water heater. Somebody suggested that it's some dealy bobber inside the hot water heater that has to kick over. By virtue of the fact that your water heater delivers hot water to your kitchen sink and delivers hot water to your kid's sink, it's only not delivering hot water to your uh, master bath sink or shower, right? It does deliver hot water to the master bathroom and the master bathroom shower, but it takes, I don't know, 10 minutes or so after my wife goes in there. So what, one theory is that we're by, by her taking a cold shower but having the, knob, the nozzle turned to the right, to the left, where it would give hot water, it activates something. 
Okay, so let me ask you. Let me ask you one one more question. In your in your master bath room, you have a sink, correct? Yep. And does that sink get hot quickly? Sure, but maybe not. Maybe not first thing in the morning. Well, does it take as long as the shower to get hot? I haven't tested that. All right, so test that. If the sink gets hot quickly, and the only plumbing fixture in the house that's not getting hot quickly is that shower, then you've got a problem with the shower valve. And that could happen. Something could break down inside the shower valve, and it might be that it takes so long to run before it finally lets some of that hot water in because maybe you're waiting for uh, one of the pipes to, one of the valve parts to expand and just something is jammed shut and it's just not letting the, the hot water out. So I suspect if you've eliminated everything else is, is normal, it's just that shower that's not, I'd replace the shower valve. It'll probably save your marriage. Think about it. <laughs> Well, at least my hearing. There you go. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Give us a call 24 hours a day, seven days a week with whatever you are working on question from your home. We can help you get it done right the first time. We're here for you. 1-888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Hey, if you only pick up a scrub brush when you're stressed... Well, you're not alone. In fact, there's a name for that. It's called being a stress cleaner. How do I know that? And there's a new survey out that teaches us all about the types of cleaning personalities. And if you understand what yours is, you're going to learn how to get that cleaning done faster, better, and happier. We'll tell you how to do it next. You live in a body pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, you've got home improvement questions, and we've got home improvement answers. Sounds like a perfect match. And one caller who gets answers this hour is also going to win a free five-minute mold test kit. Well, whether you're buying, selling, or renting, you just want to make sure that your home is healthy. Now, you can save hundreds of dollars on mold inspectors with this EPA-approved approach. Yep, and we've got one here. It's called the five-minute mold test kit. You can learn more about it at 5minutemoldtest.com. But we're giving away one kit this hour to one lucky caller to the Money Pit. Pick up the phone and call us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Adela, New Jersey is on the line with a flooring question. How can we help you today? We just had new carpeting installed in our living room, dining room, and we're having the balance of the house done in about a week and a half. Uh, We are now finding when you walk through the living room and dining room area, we are getting a few squeaks in the floor and walking. Now, whether that has anything to do with our subfloor, the house is approximately only 28 years old. We bought it new when it was built. Now, do you think there might be a problem with the sub subflooring? We do have a crawl space. So underneath the carpet, what what is the subfloor? Is it plywood? Yes. Okay. So... You have a good opportunity now, not for the rooms you've already carpeted, but the ones that you're about to carpet. When you take up the old carpet, you need to go through and re-nail or screw the subfloor down to the floor joist because those boards loosen up. And as you step on them, they'll, they move back and forth, and that's the squeak. So what I would like to see your contractor do is pull the carpet up and then 
uh, take some uh, drywall screws, these these case hardened steel screws that are sold everywhere today, and physically screw the plywood down to the floor joists. You put a screw in about about four screws across the width of the plywood. Uh, on every single floor joist. You just go from one end to the other. They're driven in with a drill, so it's a very easy job to do. And that will really tighten up that floor and, and reduce the movement dramatically, and that will prevent, if not eliminate, squeaks under that carpet. Yes. Oh, that sounds terrific. Thank you so much for your help. All right, Adele. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, does your house get a good dust or vacuum only when you're at the end of your rope? If housework is your version of Zen, you might be a stress cleaner, and that's just one of several cleaning personality types identified by Gelmar, makers of CLR cleaning products. Yeah, now get this. Your cleaning personality type is going to identify how you approach or perhaps don't approach cleaning, which in the case of a stress cleaner means that you're facing off against germs when life seems to just be getting the best of you. Or maybe you shake out those rugs only when company's coming or maybe close to never, and there's a cleaning personality type for that habit as well. Yeah, and once you know yours, Gelmar is going to give you custom tips for pushing past your type's hurdles to clean your house faster, better, and in a way that's going to make you more happy as well. Head on over to CLR Cleaner's Facebook page and you can take Gelmar's cleaning personality quiz there. You can share your results on social media and you're going to get tricks and tips for your specific type. And just by taking the quiz, you'll be entered to win a $500 Visa gift card and Gelmar cleaning products. It's all online at facebook.com slash CLR cleaners. Dina and I was on the line with a painting question. How can we help you today? I have this brown paneling and it goes all the way from the floor to the ceiling in every room. And I wondered if I can paint over this or wallpaper or what is your suggestion? Wow. That's a, what's that, uh, 1970s? <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You know, I kind of remember that growing up. We had those that era in my house. And, uh, you know, it's always better to remove it, but you can paint it. What you want to do, Dina, is you want to prime it. So the first thing you would do is you would clean it. You would lightly sand it, and because there's so much of it, um, I would when I go to the paint store, I would get a um, a sand a sanding extension. It's on a on a pole. It's like a pole with a in, in with an indexing head at the bottom at the end of it, I should say. And you can run this pole over the surface and sand it, rough it up a little bit, and then you're going to want to prime it. And I would use a good quality oil-based primer. It'll go on nice and thick. It'll give you a good solid surface on which to add the wall paint. And then you can use latex wall paint on top of that. And I think it'll come out nice. Uh, and, uh, and, and it'll go on easy if you do those steps in that order. Because once you prime it, you get a very nice even surface. It fills in uh, any of the imperfections in the surface. And it will make sure that that top coat can be accepted properly. What about those grooves? You're always going to have those grooves. You can't do anything about it unless you want to take the paneling down, which, by the way, could be an option because sometimes when they put the paneling up, they just nailed it with these types of uh, small, very thin ring nails. You could ex- you could experiment with the possibility of taking the paneling off the walls, and you may find that underneath it is drywall. Now, generally, you have to do a lot of spackling, sometimes retaping and that kind of thing, but it is possible that underneath that paneling are some decent, uh, typical drywalled covered walls. Okay, it sounds like... A, a Saturday job. Yeah, well, at least if you've got that much paneling, it might be a, a couple of Saturdays jobs, a lot of Saturdays. Yeah. All right, Dina, good luck with that project. Thank you so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we're heading over to Nebraska where Dan's on the line with a mold situation. What's going on? So I put up a pole building 
three years ago, and uh, it's uh, 48 by 36 and 10-foot uh, side walls. And I finished off about 700 square feet on the inside, and she rocked it, put R30 in the ceiling, R19 on the walls, and it's got a 4-inch slab concrete base to it. And this spring I went out there, and I had mold all over everything, mm-hmm. and I don't know what's causing that. I uh, The first two years, I never had a bit of problem. Well, it's been a very wet year. Now, you have no heat in this building, I presume? I heat the bathroom, uh, it, which is about 8 by 10 during the winter here in Nebraska, and the rest I don't heat. Well, look, mold needs three things to survive. It needs moisture, it needs air, and it needs food. And all of those things are available in that pole building. Your walls are made of drywall, I presume? Uh, yes, sir. Sheetrock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Drywall, yeah. So the paper face on that is terrific mold food. And you have moisture there. You have plenty of air. And you're not heating it, so the humidity is always pretty high. And that's why you're growing mold. So you need to at least ventilate that building if you're not going to heat it to keep moving the air through it so it doesn't, the humidity doesn't come, become quite as high. But at this point, if you've got all that mold, that has to be treated. Yeah, and I've done that. I've gotten that all out of there uh, right now. But I, I and I put a dehumidifier in there just okay, to. Uh, okay, well that'll help. You know, and it took me like two and a half days, and I got it down to like thirty percent, so it, it came right down. Do I need to seal the floor, the concrete floor, in there? Uh, I don't think that that's necessarily the cause of the problem. I don't think it's a bad idea to to seal the floor. But I think that this is just a condition of the fact that you've got a, a damp building there with no central heating system, with plenty of drywall, plenty of moisture, and plenty of air. So it, just because of the conditions, the mold's going to grow. Now, there there were other ways that you could have constructed these walls. For example, there's a, there's a product called Dens Armor, which is a fiberglass face drywall that's specifically designed not to grow mold because it's not organic. But with paper face... Uh, in an unheating building like that, I'm not surprised that it grew. That 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 it grew. Well, I am surprised it took two years, but it might just be that it was just so moist uh, this last year that it really took off. Uh, how do I uh, how do I go ahead and vent that building? Well, what I would do is I would probably have a, a fan in there that was based on the humidistat. So when the humidity got really high, that it would kick on and and draw air uh, out of that building, kind of like having an attic fan but on a humidistat instead of a thermostat. Right. That plus the plus the dehumidifier should help you keep the moisture to a minimum. But keep an eye out for mold because, you know, once it gets started, then it really can take off quickly. And it sounds like that's what happened in this case. So if you catch it sooner than later, you're going to be much better off. Up next, stop paying more than you have to for water. We're going to tell you the quick and easy ways that you can help the planet and help your monthly budget when the Money Pit continues. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Money 
The Money Pit is presented by Hire, the world's number one appliance brand and a leader in air quality solutions. Hire is a new kind of appliance brand focused on home solutions designed for each stage of the emerging consumer's life. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, summer can be hot and dry, and this time of year especially, we see a lot of efforts being made to conserve water. But really, you can save water all year long and save money in the process. Here to tell us how to do just that is Dave White, a water conservation expert from the Home Depot headquarters in Atlanta. Welcome, Dave. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Dave, um, let's start by talking about water sense. Now, I think still many Americans Americans are not familiar with the WaterSense program, and while so many of us are very familiar with Energy Star as the EPA's program to help set standards that manufacturers strive to achieve energy efficiency, WaterSense is another EPA program, but it sets water efficiency standards, and that's had a big impact on the products that are sold at places like the Home Depot, and it's really helping us save water. Can you speak to that a bit? Yeah, absolutely, and it, it really is. Um, it's really the equivalent um, as, as what you were talking about. So WaterSense, it really uh, allows us to to have product in the stores that are going to be uh, certified in uh, water efficient, just like the energy efficiency standards that we have as well. So things like shower heads, bath faucets, you know, those kind of things. And they're really simple ways to save water and conserve water. And technology now has actually allowed those. A lot of people, you know, thought that, that if it was said water sense or water conserving, that it wouldn't work as well. You wouldn't get the water pressure and that kind of stuff. But the newer water sense certified shower heads and other things that we carry really have been designed so that you get a really a maximum water flow, uh, but you still are conserving water. What are some of the other water wasters in the house? I mean, immediately we think of the faucets, but where else might you be losing some water and some money in the process? I think the big culprit in most homes is the toilet. A lot of people, you guys probably have experienced it. I know you probably have, where you hear the toilet kind of running at night Mm -hmm. and those kinds of things. And it's usually the simple flapper replacement, right? Uh, But people are intimidated by by repairing a toilet. And it's really very simple and very uh, very inexpensive as well. But you can save thousands of gallons of water. Um, You could also uh, replace the system that's in your toilet now, the older flush valve with a hydro kit, repair kit. That turns the toilet into a dual flush, and you've seen those now on the market. They're very popular, so that you can flush. You have two flush levels and different uh, amounts of water that you use. And you can also think about simply replacing your toilet uh, with a WaterSense certified toilet. Now, years ago, when water-efficient toilets first came out, they got quite a bad reputation, and deservedly so, because they just didn't perform well. Uh, But now the engineers have really perfected this technology, and they work quite well, and they use a lot less water. Absolutely. And and again, they're doing a couple of different things. They're designing the toilet so that just based on the engineering, they flush more efficiently and they flush more powerfully uh, with less water. And, but they're also designing them with some of this water-saving technology and the, and the dual flush zones, as, as they call it. So yeah, they're doing a great job. And also the toilets, they even have the toilets now that, that flush, uh, they're, they're powerful enough to where they actually help clean the bowl in the meantime. We're talking to Dave White. He's a water conservation expert from the Home Depot headquarters in Atlanta. Dave, let's talk about outside. I think one of the first products to become WaterSense certified were the irrigation products. You guys stock great lines of products like those from Rainbird that can help us save a lot of water, especially with our sprinkler systems. Can you talk about that? Correct. So a couple of of things that we recommend, uh, first of all, uh, is drip irrigation. If you're in a situation where you're wasting a lot of water, watering uh, a few number of plants, 
uh, in a wide area. Drip irrigation is fantastic. It's very simple to do. You can get starter kits that allow you to do about 50 feet of watering. Then literally just gets the water right down to the base of those plants rather than, than having it evaporate You know, using sprinklers. Mm-hmm. We also have uh, the dual spray heads, and this is fairly new, but it makes a lot of sense. So the spray heads on your regular pop-up sprinklers, they typically are designed to reach a certain amount of distance. Um, a lot of times the short distance, the close-up watering, is really difficult because they're kind of overshooting that. So you have to water a lot more. Now they have a dual spray so that there's a downward angle right on the head so that you get close-up watering and then the uh, then the farther reach watering uh, that comes out of the regular part of the spray head. And when it comes to the landscaping itself, I mean, is there any sort of trick of the trade that a pro might do to cut water usage when it comes to picking the plants or how you landscape? Oh, absolutely. So, and, and it's really not so much about, like, a lot of people think that they have to have, uh, maybe we just have to have a bunch of rocks and cactus so that we don't have anything to water. Uh, and it's, it's all about xeriscaping, and that really is looking at the yard and literally watching where the sun is and where the hot spots in the yard, what gets most heat, and picking plants accordingly. It really just makes a whole lot of sense. And then, let's say you have, uh, and, and you can use succulents, too, by the way. Succulents and cacti, and there's all kinds of great plants that you can get that look fantastic, but they don't take a whole lot of water. So there's all kinds of things you can do and still have a beautiful, lush yard. Great advice. Dave White, water conservation expert from the Home Depot headquarters in Atlanta. Thank you so much for helping us save water and be efficient in our homes. Thanks for having me. And if you'd like more information about how you can save water in your home, Home Depot actually has a section of their website devoted to that. It's simply homedepot.com slash drought. That's homedepot.com slash drought. All right, up next, carbon monoxide gets more attention, but radon is another odorless and colorless gas that poses a real threat to homeowners. Could it be lurking in your house? We're going to tell you how you can find out and then send it packing for good when the Money Pit continues. You live in a money pit. Pit is sponsored by Pella Windows and Doors. Pella products with instinctive technology can connect with compatible home automation systems so they can be programmed to help keep your home in sync with you. Learn more at Pella.com. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, where home solutions live. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And you know, getting rid of mold isn't easy, but figuring out whether you actually have mold is no walk in the park either. Well, one lucky caller this hour is going to win the new, easy, and accurate five-minute mold test. Yes, five minutes. That's all it takes, and you will get your home tested using samples that you find right in your own house for mold. It's the first step toward a healthy home without the hassle or the cost of a mail-in test or hiring a mold specialist and it can be yours if we answer your question on the air today because we're going to give away one five-minute mold test kit to one lucky caller drawn at random so pick up the phone call us right now with your home improvement question for your chance to win at 1-888-MONEY-PIT all right mark in maine is on the line with an electrical question how can we help you today uh, yes i have a, a couple of rooms our, our uh, house is from around the 1930s and um some of the rooms, the three-way wiring isn't quite right. Like, uh, to turn on the light as you enter the room, um, you turn on one switch. You can't go to the other side of the room where the other switch is and turn the light off. You have to go back to the original switch, turn the light off, oh. and you can use it. <laughs> okay. So do you know that it was it was originally designed to be a three-way switch? I do not know that. 
listen, you're going to have to have an electrician open up the wiring and, and test it, trace it out, and try to figure out what's going on. It's it's either that a switch has gone bad or more likely um, it's just not hooked up correctly. Okay. Okay. Now, I had been told that there are switches that are specific to three-way, and that is probably the problem, but I'm be honest, I don't know. Yeah, well, that's that's entirely possible, but it's got to be opened up and, and take a look at what switch device is in there, and then also determine if it's wired correctly, because it sounds like most likely it was incorrectly wired. It might have been that somebody, you know, replaced one of those switches at one time and just hooked it up wrong. Okay. I mean, I've done that myself uh, just inadvertently. When I was painting, I recall, I took a switch apart to replace it from a toggle switch to a Decora switch. That's the kind of flat panel kind. Okay. And I and I swore that I had gone wire for wire and got it right, but I didn't. I got it wrong, and it did exactly that. So I had to uh, reverse some wires to get it working back again. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I, I got some uh, research to do. All right. Well, good luck with that project, Mark. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, your home inspector probably tested for radon gas when you bought your house, but there's also a good chance you haven't thought about it again, perhaps since you moved in. Now, it's true. Radon gets so little attention or even press, especially when you compare it to another odorless gas that's getting all the buzz lately, carbon monoxide. Now, radon is naturally occurring, and it does pose some serious health risks. It's even been proven to cause cancer, and it can make its way into your home at any time without you knowing. And here's how that happened. I mean, radon basically will creep through cracks and gaps in basement floors and walls, and it's more common than you might think. In fact, one of every 15 homes in the United States is believed to have elevated radon levels. We would frequently find it in the 20 years I spent as a professional home inspector. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that one house could have high radon levels, and the house next door doesn't. So you really have to pay attention and do the testing. Now, you can order a quick and easy charcoal absorption kit online, and that's going to test your home for radon. It's inexpensive, and it can determine radon levels in about a week's time. And if you do have radon or you just want to be safe instead of sorry, you can install a radon mitigation system. Now, a radon mitigation system uses a fan in a vent to pull radon from beneath the house and then it vents it safely outside. Now we've got Melanie in California on the line with a decorating question. What can we do for you today? I have um, untreated V. rusticmi, naughty pine, throughout the house. I would like to continue into a 8 by 12 bathroom with the same. Uh, is this the best application for the bathroom, and, or will untreated wood hold up to condensation? Now, where are you seeing this? On the walls, on the ceiling? Oh, well, I'd like to do the whole bathroom, yes, walls and ceiling. I would say, Leslie, that naughty, untreated <laughs> naughty pine is a really bad idea for a bathroom. Yeah. Um, I actually do have a bathroom that's got uh, pine wainscoting, but it's completely sealed. And it goes up about halfway up the the wall. I, I would definitely not put unfinished wood in the bathroom because it's going to soak up the moisture. It's going to grow mold or mildew and just is not going to look right. You can't clean it either. So a bad idea for the ceiling. That said, if you like the look of wood, there are many ceiling uh, tile products that, that do look quite a lot like wood. Okay. Um, we're limited. We're in a small area. So we're limited as far as... Hardware's going and paneling. We've checked out our local hardware stores. And um, where, where's the best place to find, oh, say, ceiling paneling? And Now, a clever, creative idea, which, you know, you might be able to source online, and perhaps you haven't looked at some of this in the local places to you, would be a laminate flooring that's a plank that looks like a knotty pine. 
so that we could utilize that in the same application that you're talking about, but it's made to withstand high moisture situations because it's, you know, a manufactured product and not a natural product. Sure, sure. And that, because it's sold in planks, if you do have to order it online or if somebody, you know, has to order it from the vendor directly through your local stores, it ships really easily because of its packaging and being plank size. You're not going to have a hard time getting it in rather than a sheet product. Oh, okay. Very good. And, and it, I think that would look far better than a sheet product. We just, uh, I think that's... Oh, absolutely. Don't care. The wainscoting or coating, how do you pronounce that? Is that? Um, I say wainscoting, but I, I think everybody says it everywhere. They feel like okay. tomato, tomato. Which is very attractive, <laughs> um, but we need to do this complete uh, up the walls. You don't have to. You could go partially up the walls and then trim off the top edge of it. Hmm. And then with, okay... It depends on what look you're going for. For example, Leslie, you've often given the uh, the suggestion that you can take an old door, turn it on its side, and that could be a wainscoting. Mm-hmm. I mean, that works out beautifully, especially because it gives you the paneling sort of built right into the door. The only issue there is that anywhere you've got an electrical outlet or something that might protrude from the wall, you're going to have to bump that out to accommodate the extra thickness of the door. Not a big deal, but it's an extra step. Boy, it sure is. I, oh, boy. Um Okay, well, thank you so much. That's that's a lot to think about, and I really like that plank flooring um, idea. I that was some, I thought that never even crossed my mind. So, no, or nor my husband. All right. Well, good luck with that project. Thank you so much, and thank you for taking my call. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Still ahead, are you wondering if your kitchen is an addition or perhaps part of the original footprint of your home? Well, whether you own a home or you're thinking about buying one, they're easier to navigate and improve when you know that home's history. We're going to tell you how you can track it down when the Money Pit continues. You live in a Money Pit. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The Money Pit is brought to you by QuickCrete. It's what America's made of. For project help from start to finish, download the new QuickCrete mobile app. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, you're looking to hire a pro right now to do some work in or around your home? Well, you've got to make sure that it's the right person for the job. Money Pit's got the top 10 questions to ask your prospective hires that'll give you the best chances for safety and home improvement success. It's all on our homepage right now at moneypit.com. And you can post your question in the community section, just like Gabe did, who writes, How often do I need to seal my pitted driveway and what should I use? Well, I mean, driveway sealing is best repeated every couple of years, but the frequency is going to depend on how much wear and tear your driveway suffers. Now, you mentioned pitting. If you live in the Northeast or any place where rock salt is used on your driveway, it might be, have to be repeated more often because it's very, very corrosive. You can cut down on that maintenance by switching from the sodium-based rock salt, which is really corrosive, to calcium chloride, which is a lot safer. 
Now, in terms of the project itself, it's really pretty straightforward. You can start by patching and filling the cracks. Then you apply a thin coat or two of asphalt sealer. Take a look at the products by QuickCrete, Q-U-I-K-R-E-T-E. They've got a patching compound there, and they've got driveway sealing products, and they work really well. There's great guidance online to teach you how to do it yourself. All right, next up, Jen writes, do you have any specific suggestions on painting stucco after repairs have been made? You know, it's pretty much like painting um, any other masonry surface. You want to use oil-based primer as a first step and let it dry really, really well. Or you could think about restuccoing the entire foundation after that stucco is patched so that the color is consistent. We have a great article on how to do that on our website at moneypit.com. All right. Good advice. Well, if you own an older home or you're thinking about buying one, you probably wish its walls could talk. The stories it could say. Well, no talking walls needed. Leslie's got ways for you to learn about your house's past, and it can help you avoid future problems as well as make you aware of previous issues in this week's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Yeah, you know, knowing your home's age is pretty much a valuable asset since homes that are built in the same era tend to face similar problems. Now, with the help of an architecture book or two, most homeowners can narrow their home down a core style and a time period. Public records, these are key guys because they're going to hold information about your home. So researching public records is an especially good idea if you're the prospective owner of a home and want to know what changes have taken place over the years before you buy. You can visit your local building department, a tax assessor, or even the registrar of deeds office to find deeds, maps, plot plans, even building permits that have been filed and perhaps some that are still open and need to be closed. And that's going to give you peace of mind and give you a piece of a home's history so you know exactly what's going on there. Now, maps, they're used by insurance companies since about the mid-1800s, and they're also a great way to find out more about your home. They're used to catalog buildings in your area, and they give an excellent description of size, layout, and the materials used. Now, you can also learn a lot by just observing the materials a home was built with. Knob and tube wiring and steel plumbing pipes, for example, those were common from about 1900 to 1940, whereas small fuse-type electrical systems and plaster lath walls were used from about 1940 to 1960. And finally, take a good look around. Now, you might be lucky enough to find dates stamped on plumbing fixtures like toilets and sinks, if they're the original fixtures. Now, you can bet your home was built just after these were made. Now, knowing your home's past can actually help you plan for your home's future. It's a great thing to know because you'll know exactly what you're dealing with, what repairs might run, and what problems are going to face you in the years ahead of home ownership. Great advice. Coming up next week on The Money Pit, stainless steel is the go-to choice for kitchen sinks. But did you know that not all stainless steel is created equal? We're going to tell you what to consider before buying your next kitchen sink, an important purchase that you use every day on the next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a money pit.